0: today's expert process podcast
1: i've always approached this as a business and i don't know that everyone thinks of it that way that
0: was
2: lee stewart with the southeastern international film and music festival in nashville tennessee today lee is going to share a lot of details in how to get your film into the film festival and what you should do when marketing your film stay tuned for more right after these messages
0: Do you know six in ten businesses will fail within the first five years? First five years. Or 43% of Americans need a side hustle just to make ends meet? Just to make ends meet? Or that it takes 10,000 hours to master any subject? Any subject welcome to the expert process podcast where we cut the time to mastery in half with our seasoned pros and now from atlanta georgia broadcasting worldwide here's your resident expert durante smith happy new
2: year we are now in 2020 we have just started a new year we have just started a new decade And I'd like to welcome you to the Roaring Twenties. Now, this is the Expert Process Podcast. And I'm your host, Durante Smith. And it's my job to interview some of the most hardworking, highly successful professionals on the planet. This show follows a 12-week online masterclass at TheExpertProcess.com, where you'll learn from start to finish what it takes to make it in your industry as the program is chock-full of professional advice, resources, and even industry contacts to help you get to the next level in less than half the time. As you might expect, the masterclass changes from industry to industry every 12 weeks. Now, the podcast is your introduction. The masterclass is the blueprint, and I'm your guide. Now, buckle up and get ready for the ride.
0: You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors.
2: This episode is brought to you by Airbnb. Now, if you're like me, you like to travel in comfort, style, but also economically when you can. And I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not keen on staying in someone else's home. That is until I discovered Airbnb, my friend. My very first day was about six years ago in Santa Monica, California. Ironically, during the American film market, I stayed in a beautiful home, just 1.26 miles from the beach. And then there was the weekend getaway to Knoxville, which was incredible. Our hosts were top notch. They made breakfast for us. They made, um she actually made lunch, which was, I mean, insane. It was a music festival going on. So there was just great live music. Uh, we had dinner on the uh, river there at one of the local establishments, barbecue joints, and it was just a great experience. Then there was uh, Daytona that we got away for again for another short trip. It was about four hours down and back. And uh, Daytona was just it was incredible. Great food, great weather. The beach was just beautiful and it was the great time of year to go. So one other thing. Locally, here in Atlanta, we have a ton of just awesome Airbnbs. And then there's the the treehouse here, which I hope to go to very soon and take my daughter to. That's here in Atlanta that you can stay in. And it stays booked out, I think, six months out in advance. So that's one you definitely want to put on your list. Now, I'm a believer in crowd sharing and the disruptor industry. And I love, love, love me some Airbnb. So do yourself a favor and try it out. You can use my promo code to save $55 off your first adventure. Just go to bit.ly forward slash expert process air Again, that's bit.ly bit.ly forward slash expert process air BNB for your getaway or staycation today. Okay, everyone, welcome to the show. A good friend of mine out of Nashville, Tennessee, Lee Stewart. Lee has been in the film and TV industry for, it sounds like, I don't know, 15, 20, 25 years or so, as she's worked in TV for Turner, for CNN, Time Warner, and as a production designer, uh, producer for TV. And a writer, producer, and production designer for indie film, but nonetheless, uh, Lee, tell us, you know, more about you, what you have going on, and yeah, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Durante. Thanks for having me. What a great show! I'm honored to be on your show.
2: Uh, Thank you so much.
1: I started uh, in the television industry as a production designer for Turner Broadcasting and CNN, and I worked on the studios there, and then. I went back to get a degree in business and majored in information systems. And I was, I guess, lucky. And also, you know, I worked hard and I was tapped to spearhead the integration of television to the web. So I moved to CNN.com and it was right before 9-11 and I worked there almost 10 years. And then I guess it was, right around 2006 when we were developing the first broadband video network. And I was, you know, producing and doing a lot of the design and content. And I really got into like the whole, you know, facet of doing the the whole show. And then I thought, you know, I'd love to make a movie. (laughs) and So, you know, be more creative than just kind of like news gathering and storytelling in that genre. So I went to film school in London and I made my first short film Keepers of the Gate and I got in a few festivals got excited about film and I moved to Los Angeles and I worked there for almost 10 years and then uh made my first film actually in my hometown of Atlanta and it was called South of Southern and then I ended up working on a short film about Paradise Garden, which is a full garden environment in North Georgia, to help preserve it. And that turned into a feature documentary film. And I'd worked on documentaries in the past and I'd worked, you know, doing kind of a documentary style broadcasting, doing news. So I just found kind of a voice in that genre. And I've been making documentary films ever since. So I probably attended over hundreds of film festivals and. I decided to found a film festival that focused not only on film, but also art and music. So I started the Southeastern International Film Festival, and our headquarters is in Nashville.
2: Gotcha. So the film festival focuses on film, art, and music. So is that sort of in the vein of the South by Southwest?
1: I would say it's in the vein it's different. I mean, I think every festival is different. I think that it's more like that idea of it being like a conference of creative minds. And there's a synergy of all those different types of creative individuals together.
2: I like that conference of creative minds, because the filmmaking process is so collaborative that the reality of it is it is not just one person's input It is the collective of different artists and the artistry that we bring to the table that actually makes for a really viable product. So I love that concept. And let me ask you this. So you went from TV basically to shorts, from shorts to documentary. Those are really very different genres or very different. um, Now, really what you would say is probably platforms. So how was that moving from television to the idea of doing a film and doing films? Right, and then moving over into the documentary space, how was that?
1: Well, making my first film was a challenge, just because, as you know, as a filmmaker, and it is something that you're not going to expect how difficult it is to pull it all together. Yes, and then once you do you you learn a lot and you realize what you would do and wouldn't do and i I would say, as I continue to make films that I continue to do that, you learn every time you make a new creative project i think but i did kind of skip over when i went to los angeles i had no real film experience except for the film that i made so i started working on sets as a production designer because that's something i'd done a lot of and then i moved my way into being a producer and writing and then i decided you know i'd like to do my own project and i wrote my first script
2: Got you. Let me ask you this. So for a lot of our listeners, I would like to take a moment to define the term producer, because a producer literally can be, as you know, anything. But in respect to right. your experience on TV sets, juxtaposed against your experience on film sets, how would you define a producer because we have folks that are aspiring to be television producers um and then also film producers not really understanding that they are different maybe there are certainly comparisons or their commonalities but they may not <laughs> they may not really realize that there's a pretty distinct well, yeah. difference between the two so how would you clarify that or classify that
1: that is actually something that people probably don't realize. It, well, in television, it's a much more structured setup because you're filming in one location. You produce, you're creating this show or content in one location on a consistent basis. And there are teams of people dedicated to different projects and shows. So the producer in television has a very certain role in a very certain place. In a film, you could be a producer that simply gives money you can be a producer that is a consultant because you have an expertise you could be a producer because your show or your film was your idea in the beginning and they added you on or you could be the producer like I was that you work really hard to kind of pull everything together and it's a exciting and tireless job yes
2: and the producer sticks with the film all the way through Post production, but as I've come to learn, <laughs> they also are attached to the film uh, during marketing and distribution simply because if the film doesn't get picked up, then the producer's name half the time or a lot of the times it weighs on their credibility. And it's probably a better way to say that. So is that your experience as well? <laughs>
0: You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors.
2: Hello. Daddy, might I come in? Sure. What's up, sweetie? I just want to say thank you to all your listeners who support my entrepreneurial endeavors. Ooh, nice vocabulary. <laughs> it doesn't mean business, Daddy. Oh, I know. Well, thanks to everyone for supporting my business. That's awesome. And you can find me at AllThingsMadison or me. And your motto? We love you just the way you are. Oh, Maddie, that's so sweet.
1: <laughs> oh, daddy. Too
2: cute. Now back to the show.
1: Yes, it is my experience. I worked as a producer on a documentary called State of Control about the humanitarian mm. crisis in Tibet. And... It was probably 2007, and I am still banned from China because of working on that film. So I think that everyone should really be aware that when you sign on for any film, whether you're a director, writer, producer, you're going to be attached to it for a pretty long time. So you better be excited about that content, the project, and, you know, we all keep going and do different things. But, you know, it, I think every project is going to be part of, you know, your career, your legacy. Yes.
2: I, I agree. And I don't have the girth of experience when it comes to features that you do. Um, I, I wrote, directed, mm-hmm. and produced uh, my first feature a few years ago. I've worked on other sets and um, different capacities. I've, Directed a number of shorts and uh, commercial projects and stuff like that. But the thing I found is when I went to exploit the film, really, you know, it's just getting the film into the market. When I went to exploit the film, the, when we got it into other markets and things like that, I found that here we are now, six years removed. I'm still getting either contacted or I'm getting solicited. From other potential buyers that have come across it or something. But if I had for whatever reason produced a product that, you know, had some sort of negative association or something that would also follow me because I know some folks that did that. It follows them. And as you said, it's something we have to be conscious of because, you know, your name really is all you have.
1: Well, and, and you know, I'm really proud of that film, the documentary state of control, because I helped right. people that didn't have a voice. And I think it was a really great film. But at the same time, I think that when I was younger, and I think when a lot of people are just starting out, that you just want to work on something so badly that you want to attach yourself to anything. And it's hard to be discerning about, you know, what the future holds for your career or, you know, where you're directing. Yourself to go, so it is important to choose wisely.
2: Years ago, this is probably in two thousand or two thousand one. I won a festival. I'm not going to say the name of the festival. Yeah, it was a short film festival, but I'm not going to say the name of it because it has an association with what I'm about to say. But the owner of the sponsor that put on the festival approached me and asked me if I would be willing to make. Uh, These movies, (laughs) these adult movies at his mansion on Lake Lanier. And I thought about it for a moment. Now, mind you, this is 2000, 2001, something like that. I was 20 something, maybe 25, 26, something like that. And I really thought about it. I, I mean, I was just starting out in my career and I really, really thought long and hard, and he was offering really good money. But the problem with that was, I realized too that once I became associated and attached to, that industry, it's going to follow me. It doesn't really matter, you know, that I could change my name and, you know, go under a pseudonym.
1: It was ironic that happened to me too. <laughs> really? <laughs> I took a meeting with the guy who's a producer and this happens a lot and people should be aware. You can take a meeting and they could say it's a reality show and they could say it's about, you know, dancing, but it could be a madam and it could be a strip club, right? and it could be a more... <laughs> adventurous project that you want to be part of. However, you know, in this industry, you take meetings because you don't know until you go and you talk to someone. Sometimes it's, you really don't know until you meet someone face-to-face, you know, what the project is, what they're trying to accomplish. But it is a choice. You know, I chose not to take on that project just like you did. And, you know, some people want to, they did offer to also change my name. But, you know, I had other things that I wanted
0: to do. You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors.
2: A quick reminder if you haven't signed up for the free webinar yet, pause what you're doing, open a new window on your phone or computer, go to theexpertprocess.com and join now. You can thank me later. Now, back to the show. Uh, I had an opportunity to get a film funded, and I had the paperwork. I actually worked with um, one of the bigger law firms, downtown Atlanta. They were repping me in this whole process. The financing was roughly about a million five. So, I mean, that's a decent budget. That's, you know, I mean, yeah, well, (laughs) depending on the project, but yeah, this was back in 2010 or 2011. And at the very last minute, I learned That the financing was coming from, or actually was being sourced from a Colombian drug cartel. And I was told by the attorney to pump the brakes. And I did. So that whole thing blew up. Fast forward, I was at the American film market in 2014, I think it was the first time I went. And I met a producer, really big, well known producer. And I told him that story. And you know what he said? He's like, well, why did you pass the money up? And I was like, Well, I mean, it's a drug cartel, man. I mean, who wants to be associated with that? Who wants to, you know, put their lives at risk? And he's like, You know, that's the nature of the business. Do you think that these movies that get made are all funded and financed by credible people or by, you know, angels and this and that? He's like, No, he's like, half of the money or are- two thirds of the time, the money's dirty. They need to launder their money. They need to wash it. You know, you get your money where you can. And I was like, wow, man, this is, you know, when they tell you it's a dog eat dog business or it's a dirty business, they really mean that because a lot of folks, they're better prepared to take the money than they are to address their own, I would say, integrity or their credibility or their you know, their name in the market space, because if you are able to elevate yourself or, you know, get to a certain level in the industry, even if you're doing business shady or in a really low way of doing business, for example, a Harvey Weinstein, right? There's still a certain amount of clout and a certain amount of exaltation and a certain amount of respect that you're going to earn simply because you have this litany of projects behind you. You have this laundry list of calling cards. You have this IMDb profile that reflects all of these different things you've been able to produce. So I said that to say, when you're starting out, the opportunities that will come at you, especially if you're good, you don't necessarily know what they are. You don't see them up front. And it's so funny that you say you had a similar experience with the adult industry whatnot. But the flip side to that is I can assure you, you and I are not alone. We're not the only ones that have had that experience, but turned it down. But there are probably a lot more that just said, you know what, screw it. I'd rather take the money and just deal with the consequences.
1: Well, and they even joke about it in, in the show Entourage on HBO, when the director of the film takes on him. he's doing a f- adult film directing to get money in between projects. I think it happens all over the industry. You know, You know, in terms of you have a lot of different choices, but ultimately it's your choice what direction you want to go. And I I think your your career goes really well if you choose a high road and you take the line of integrity and you try to focus on the work and and doing the best you can instead of kind of like chasing the money. Yeah,
2: it tends to come back to bite you in the butt. That's been my experience. The folks that I've seen that have taken that route you know, once you make that decision, just understand that decision is going to follow you. It doesn't really matter how much you try to separate yourself from it. It sticks with you. It's like stepping in dog poo. It sticks with you until you try to get it off. And even then there's residue.
1: So, Well, it's true. But you know, also about this industry, I mean, it's very competitive and there's a lot of kind of elements that come with that. At the same time, I think that you can reinvent yourself. You can keep going in a different direction and, you know, kind of erase your young mistakes, probably. I mean, it's just really about, you know, having a compelling project and figuring it out. Because I think it's a journey. You know, I often call it a roller coaster because there are a lot of ups and downs that you kind of figure it all out as you go. And then you get better and wiser. And it's great. I don't
2: know if you've seen Joker yet, but my God, this guy's performance in Joker, first off, in my personal opinion, Joaquin.
1: Yeah, he's amazing. Beat
2: Heath, and I don't say that lightly at all. Heath was my all-time favorite. But man, this guy in Joker, his character was so compelling that by the end of the movie, I was rooting for him. You know, that's for an actor to convey that sort of emotional connection to the audience to a point of where he is the villain but you sympathize with the villain by the end of the film to me says it all Didn't i don't know if you saw a speech the or not
1: Globe yesterday or the day
2: he did yes he did but i don't know if you That's saw a speech or not but it. the speech the speech was interesting <laughs> because you know he, he kind of lambasted it. hollywood think- and Folks that give lip service, but they don't necessarily put action behind the words. I thought that was interesting. So, yeah, I would highly encourage you to check out the film. But the thing I was saying in respect to that is people can reinvent themselves. Uh, yeah. I think he's one that kind of did that because earlier on in his career, he had a lot of problems and it's kind of known.
1: It's funny that you said that. I didn't even know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Yes. Yes, definitely. Definitely. That says it all, doesn't it? That you were saying. That that-
2: well, another one's Rob Lowe. I, I mean, you know, Rob just, had or know, or you know, these guys they had drug addictions and stuff like that. Their careers fell like, off and I'm then they come back and reinvent themselves and you know. Um so it can definitely be done. I agree with you. I just kind of steer more toward the mindset of trying to avoid the problems than have to fix the problems later because You have so many obstacles and so many mines and land traps that you have to try to get over and get past. And that's why I have guests like you on the show, because you've done it. You know, you have experience and maybe you're not a Tarantino, but who cares? Because your experience speaks to a large amount of people out there that are trying to get to where you are. And the same with myself. A large amount of people are trying to get to that point.
1: Well, and who knows, We could all be Tarantino Sunday if we work hard enough and we keep going. Sure. I think it's not giving up. And I also feel like I've always approached this as a business. And I don't know that everyone thinks of it that way. And it is a business. So you have to think about it. You know, I know being creative, it's hard to get rejected. It's hard to go through some of the meetings you have to go through. But you have to think of it as a business. You know, you're taking... A lot of people's money, and you're making it into something, and they hope to make a profit on it. So, you know, it's kind of like I think if you can step back and not you, but everyone, you know, that's trying to work on film and think about even with the film festival, I noticed that a lot of the filmmakers that we even accept their film, they come with no business plan, no trailer, no kind of target market or, you know, kind of idea about. What they want for their project
2: by way of default they have no execution
1: and i think to myself you know it actually amazes me
0: you're listening to the expert process podcast we'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors
2: recently i read an article about student enrollment in traditional colleges is way down and online course enrollment is through the roof with podcasts like this you not only get free developmental information, you also get access to resources you wouldn't have otherwise. But if you really want to take your film game to the next level, you should consider taking my online masterclass. It's 42 online video modules for more than 50 hours of self-study, complete with a full suite of resources. It's also live coaching and instruction from me and other industry professionals. People say, but Durante, why are you doing this? And I tell them, it's just my way of giving back. So, If you're serious about wanting to level up your film game, register for the free informational webinar today at TheExpertProcess.com. Again, if you want to write a script, make a movie, sell a movie, or just learn how to get into the industry, this webinar is for you. I want to keep the groups fairly small, so sign up today because space is truly limited. Go to TheExpertProcess.com and register today. Now, on to the show. You've got to get past all of the naysayers to make your film because everybody's telling you it's a bad idea.
1: <laughs> I just laugh when people tell me that it's a bad idea at this point. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it's just funny how there is right. going to be a contingent of people in right. your life that will tell you that it's not a real career. You can't make a living you, aren't going to do and you aren't going to do that. And you know what you have to do is do what you need to do. The
2: word you mentioned earlier was it's a business. This is a business. The sooner you learn that, the sooner you get that, the sooner you can expect to have better results and the sooner you can move away from doing whatever your full-time job is and actually have a career in film. But again, all that stuff, it takes the understanding or maybe even the education to know that, it's a viable thing but it takes the work time energy and effort and education to you know to do that but let me ask you this so with regard to the festival because you mentioned the festival and you're a festival head um why so what are some tips that you would give to folks that want to get into your festival and have success while they're there
1: i think that the best thing that you can do to get into a film festival is to spend a lot of time writing a really great script, make a compelling project. And, you know, even if you don't have the money, as long as you put it together, well, you know, (laughs) it tells a story and it has a beginning, middle and end, or it's Quentin Tarantino-esque and works. uh, I think that uh, you have a chance to get in any festival. One thing I will say, and I'll go back to the business part is that, you know, when you're, finishing your film you have what like you a few months to really like get it going get the momentum you know you need to write a business plan for your film and you need to target certain people that would be interested in your film and certain festivals that might play your film because they specialize in you know different uh content subjects that are related to your project i think a lot of people just say oh i'm going to enter this, this, and this for whatever reason that they choose or whatever kind of reputation that some festivals might have. But I think that, you know, with mine, it's, it's set up so that it's easy to network and you have a list on the website of who's going to be there and who's speaking, who's playing. So, you know, if I was looking at my own festival, I would say, you know, i target, first of all, I've noticed, that this has been eight years now, that a lot of filmmakers come to the festival and just watch their own films. And they bring a bunch of their friends, and they don't watch anyone else's film. They don't attend the workshops. They don't go to the concerts, which surprises me on a level because I couldn't imagine doing that. But I think that it's smart to think of a film festival kind of like a doctor might think of a medical convention. You know, you're going to meet like-minded professionals. So, you know, look at and see what they're doing and talk to people and, you know, meet anyone that you can.
2: These relationships, if you maintain them, they can pay dividends by simply the amount of exposure that you might get. You might get, an additional, you know, additional education, or they can be a resource in helping you grow your career. Conversely, you can also be that person that can help spawn someone else's career or provide connections to resources or even be that resource. So I find that to be a kind of a two-way street. It's kind of give and take, but I've had a lot of success in as you say, networking at the film festival and going into it with the right mindset, because that was a really great example. It's, you know, Hey, look, this is just like a doctor or an attorney or, you know, uh, some other professional going into uh, a conference to network, to make those business connections and to foster and further your career. Because if you go into it with that understanding and that mindset, then your approach is different.
1: Yeah, I think so. I feel like it's really, I mean, it's about being present in the moment. And I think that if you're a creative, a lot of times you don't think about the business side.
0: You're listening to the expert process podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors.
2: A quick reminder. If you haven't signed up for the free webinar yet, pause what you're doing. Open a new window on your phone or computer. Go to expertprocess.com and join now. You can thank me later. Now, back to the show. How I'm can filmmakers film. uh, get I'm an audience world. to their screenings? What is the advice that you give them based on what you've seen?
1: I have a great example from last year. So we had a filmmaker come in and he did a film about his father who passed away from Alzheimer's. And it was a very compelling documentary. It was a short film. And he contacted all the local organizations. there, are a number in Nashville because it's a healthcare hub. And he also contacted a lot of uh, local homes and got in touch with families that were affected. And he had an almost full screening. So I feel like if you take that kind of initiative to know, like, you would if you had the business plan and kind of a target market. For example, with my documentary, I just finished about Howard Finster. It's just called Finster, but I, I target it's a, he's an artist. So, you know, I look at museums. I look at people who are interested in art and folk art in particular. And, you know, I try to make sure that they're aware of any screenings and network with them. We've done some special screenings at, you know, the high museum Atlanta and different places different museums all over the country, actually. But it it's really about finding your audience. And I think that, you know, when you're younger, starting out, especially your audience is your friends. And you don't think about because you have a lot of friends that you can get to come. And then, you know, you go for years right. and years and you have all these films. Not as many friends come because they don't, you know, it's just you're asking them to come to so many films. <laughs> and then you realize I've got to find the target market. I've got to find the people, my audience. Your aim should be,
2: at least in my opinion, to source the folks that can make a difference in your film career. So a lot of times, especially if you have a feature, now this may not be so much for short films, but especially if you have a feature film, which is a full length film, then you want to know who are those aggregators or the the buyers, or the distributors, or the sales agents who can take your film to the market. And those folks, they are going to be monitoring and gauging the buzz during the festival about certain films, and they will make a point to either show up or have a representative show up so that they can see the audience reaction to your film. So here's the thing I want to try to hone in on. The more work you can do upfront to help secure an audience for your film, the better it's going to play to the film buyer or the person that you want to influence that can make a difference with your film. Because if you have an empty theater, no one knows about the film, that does not resonate well for your film. It doesn't mean that they wouldn't show up, but it just means that your odds of success significantly decrease. Would you agree with that? Or does that sound you know, accurate?
1: I think so. I agree that you're going to have a buyer or someone like a sales agent come to a festival. They don't necessarily want to advertise that they're there because then they'll get bombarded. Right. A lot of times they come to see, like you said, a project that has a lot of buzz and they want to see the film. They want to see how it's being received. And that's to put all... The pieces in place for them to see what they need to see to approach you yes and that's not they i mean it could go a lot of different ways this industry is not it's not as simple as just you know if you do this you get that it's a very kind of tangled web we weave but at the same time you you have the best chance of success by having your film screened by audiences making sure to promote it and putting yourself. I think Denzel said it best. He said the success in film is the combination of luck, timing, and opportunity Watch mm. it all together.
2: That's spot on. I mean, that's great advice.
1: That was one of my favorite words. It was great advice from him to everyone. Uh, and I and I see it so clearly now, you know, in terms of you can have great projects. Yes. You just maybe didn't have that opportunity. And you know, if you're not ready, you've got to get ready. It's like that field of dreams. If you build it, they will come, <laughs> you know, you be ready to take advantage at the moment.
2: As a producer, what amount of your budget would you recommend setting aside for marketing after the film is done? Think about this. Also, you have a film festival, so you know the whole film festival side as well and getting your film to market because you've gotten your film out. In, in uh in different markets and whatnot gotten it sold so having that perspective and point of view
1: i mean marketing is one of the most important line item expenses of a film and a lot of filmmakers end up running out of money in post production <laughs> and they don't have a lot of money for marketing left over so i think that you know knowing what i know hindsight's 2020 is 2020 yes hard. And you know that doing it today, I would of course set aside probably a good portion, maybe like twenty five percent of my budget for marketing. The end of the film process is the most you can't you can't run out of gas. And I did that. You know. (laughs) That's my story. We've all done that. It's easy to do because you can work so hard you're on a treadmill and with doing Something with nothing, and then you know, by the end, if you, you can't get to that place, it's very frustrating and challenging. And that's why I think a lot of people the industry for that reason You're right.
2: Different. I was fortunate enough to go out and find an investor. You know, after we got through the first phase of production, we got through our production, we got the movie in the can, and we were in post-production when we ran out of money. Now that should not be a surprise to anyone because I shot my film on five thousand dollars. So that that really wasn't the plan. But once we got into post, the folks that uh, had committed to the film, a lot of them got higher paying gigs and opportunities and they bailed. And I'm not mad at them because if I were in a similar situation, I wouldn't say I would do it, but I'm just saying I can understand. But that said, it left me in a pickle and it took a while to go and find or source this investor. And it took about a year honestly but we found them we were fortunate enough to find them but this is what happened when I went to ask for the money I wanted to keep the amount as low as possible because I said you know what I know how to market a film I know how to you know use social media I know how to do this I know I know how to do that I only need $500 to have a good marketing campaign and no I don't know no. that's not true and when the investor came back to me, he's like, well, you know what? I appreciate what you're trying to do and keep the commitments low on your side, but I would tell you, why don't you ask for more money? And I was only asking for $15,000. He's like, well, how about 200? I'm like, no, I don't want to be on the hook for $200,000. I don't want to, you know, and what am I going to do with that? Because that's a lot of money that I don't need to get the film made. But see, as you just said in hindsight, had I known what I know now, I could have used that extra $185,000 to have a really serious marketing campaign that could have really put this thing over the hump and on the map. But again, you live, you learn, and exactly. and you learn from folks like Miss Stewart, so who gave us her time today, and we really sincerely thank exactly. you for all of the the girth of knowledge that you shared with us. Uh, We thank you for your patience in (laughs) allowing me to get this set up because we've been kind of going back and forth now for about a month or so. And I'm coming to learn that is just the nature of this business because we're all so busy. And I really do appreciate you giving us your time today.
1: We made it happen. It's very exciting. (laughs) Well, I appreciate your support of the Southeastern International Film Festival. And I hope that others will come join us in Nashville this year. It'll be around uh, September. I would like to
2: broadcast a show from your festival. What do you think of that?
1: Wouldn't that be cool? I love that. <laughs> Let's do it. It would be great. You have about, you know, hundreds of filmmakers. To interview.
2: Yeah, no, we can't do, <laughs> do that.
1: We can, pre, we can mm-hmm. pre-schedule only, only the ones that are, are responsible enough to pre-schedule. We'll figure it out, but I I would love that. It I'm was, all about uh, it. So Durante, that is a great, great offer. I will take you up on it. You'll have to come do this. I would love it.
2: Okay. And then it's all okay. of your social handles, your social media handles, they can find you at Southeastern Film. Now that's Twitter, Facebook, IG, I guess pretty much any, any other that's social media it. handle that you have. But if they want to connect with you, they want to reach out to you, um, they can do it that way. And then what I think the other thing is I noticed – basically all these film festivals now are you guys on film freeway is that correct for your submissions
1: i'm on film freeway and i'm also on okay. without a box
2: without a box yes
1: and you can submit right and uh i think film freeway allow we have over 100 judges judge all the films and they have a they have a numerical grading system that you can set up yourself you know, for the criteria. Oh, so we use that for our judging and it's great. I, well, I, I want, I want to have, you know, filmmakers and artists be able to come. And I also, you know, anyone who has a film in the festival gets passes with their film team. And we also offer, an annual waiver period at the beginning of our submissions so anyone can enter without, sure. a, without a fee I
2: really do appreciate you giving us your time today
1: um, thank you Durante for having me on the show and thank you for your support of our independent festival and I want to wish you a happy new certainly decade. thank you so much <laughs> welcome to the <laughs> Roaring Twenties Yeah, your podcast is wonderful
2: awesome sounds great alright well you have a nice evening okay
1: Ooh, take care bye bye
2: That was my friend, Lee Stewart, with the Southeastern International Film and Music Festival in Nashville, Tennessee. And we'd like to thank Lee for coming on the show. Please be sure to check out the festival at southeasternfilm.com. That's southeasternfilm.com, as well as all other social media. And a special thank you to you, my listeners, for following along with us at the Expert Process Podcast. Please bear with us as we continue to grow and fine tune the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to reach out with any suggestions, show ideas, or guest referrals. You can email me at smith.deronte@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Again, that's smith.durante, D-E-R-O-N-T-E at gmail.com. And as always, love, peace, and fish grease.
0: And I'm out. <coughs> Thank you for tuning in to today's show. For only the best show notes, links, classes, and more, go to theexpertprocess.com or follow us on Facebook at The Expert Process or hit us up on Instagram at The Expert Process. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share.